Welcome to Public Health Plus. I'm MJ. And I'm Cass. So we live in a time where we're constantly bombarded by media stories. What really inspired me to do this one is I see people misuse statistics and numbers all the time. And I think it would be a nice bonus episode to sort of go over some of the some of my like what I call like red flags or pet peeves, I guess, when it comes to numbers. And there's definitely more than what we're going to present here. But and I'm sure you have a lot of stats pet peeves as well you see on media and whatever. Oh, absolutely. But when you said you wanted to do this episode, I immediately thought of one of my most favorite quotes, which is, there are three types of lies, lies, damn lies, and statistics. Right. <laughs> Just, you know, you can you can make things- However you want, right. Seem all sorts of different ways, you know, depending on how you analyze the data and- People aren't always truthful in the data that they're using or the methods that they use, or they run multiple models until they find the one that is consistent with what they wanted to find. And then, oh, look, this is, you know, statistically significant. And that doesn't always mean anything. Yeah. I mean, that's a perfect segue. You're so good at segues. I've never ridden one. (laughs) What was that sound effect to put on? (laughs) Sorry. No, it's okay. So you mentioned this, you know, statistically significant. And I think before we get into that, we need to sort of go over what that and what p-value means. So when you say something is statistically significant, all you're saying is that whatever difference that we observe, it is unlikely to be due to chance. So you know how some things, for example, if you roll a dice six times and it comes out six, 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 five, right? You could say, oh, is that dice weighted? And it could be that dice is weighted or it could you just got really lucky. Yeah, small sample size. Yeah, yeah. Because there's randomness in our lives just because we see like a difference or a string of numbers. We can't automatically say, oh, that dice is weighted. You have to roll the dice a bunch of times and then see if that's just like normal variation or if that's just you just got lucky that one time. So when people say something is statistically significant, all they're saying is that this is unlikely to be due to randomness and chance. That is all they're saying. Yeah, a couple of thoughts. So first off, so important, correlation does not equal causation. Right. Just because two things are associated with each other doesn't mean that one is causing the other. The only way you can truly prove causation is through randomized control trials or you know, you get a lot closer with very, very rigorous cohort studies. And, you know, if you have numerous studies over time that are finding the same things with different units, different populations, different methods, then you can start to say that there's a stronger relationship that might approach causation, right? But like, just because two things are associated with each other doesn't mean that one is causing the other. And secondly, I get very frustrated when people are like, oh, you have a a 150% increase in this if you, you know, this good outcome if you do this other thing. Or somebody's two times more likely to experience this thing compared to people who don't do it. When you dig into the numbers and it's like, oh, you you went from a 1% chance to a 2% chance. Or you, right? Like that's technically double. Right. But we're talking about levels that, or chances that are so, so small, they're basically insignificant. Right. From a practical standpoint, that is. Yeah. And this is the thing that just because something is statistically significant doesn't mean they're practically significant. So for example, let's say you do a study and let's say you're trying to increase children's fruit consumption. So you want to get them to eat more fruit. And then you design the study that's like, oh, what happens if we rename the fruit something fun? So instead of calling it bananas, we call it a a monkey health bar. (laughs) 
or something. <laughs> right? I'm just coming up with something just absolutely insane. That's what I'm calling bananas from <laughs> now on. I'm never, I'm never calling a banana a banana again. Oh my god, that made me cry. I'm laughing so hard. That's a monkey health bar. <laughs> it's a monkey health bar. So sorry, I just okay, monkey health bar. Got it. Okay, so what happens when you name a banana a monkey health bar for kids eating fruit? Right. This is hypothetical. I just want to come up with like an insane study that would never work. Right. So let's say, oh, we put two baskets of bananas. One is called bananas. One is called monkey health bar and see like if calling it monkey health bar increases kids uptake of bananas. And they say, oh, yes, we found a statistically significant difference. Like this is a totally effective intervention. And then you dig into the numbers and it's like, yes, instead of one banana, kids on average eat 1.1 bananas. If you call them monkey health bars and it's statistically significant, I guess like there is a difference. But is that difference enough for the United States government to rebrand bananas as monkey health bars? Probably not. Right. So that's we're sort of making light of the issue. But this happens all the time. You know, often we're thinking about things in terms of clinical significance. Right. If you're thinking about some intervention, does it not only is there a difference that you can detect that is significant, but does it actually have an impact on the patient? If I said, okay, we're going to give this behavioral health intervention such that we're encouraging people to walk more, right? And we're doing making them walk to Latin music, right? That's the intervention. When you walk, you walk to Latin music. And then we look to see, okay, do they have better health outcomes compared to people who walked but to no music, or whatever. And if you say, okay, well, the people who listen to Latin music, you know, they increased their steps by 50%. Okay, super. That's great. But if they're only walking, you know, 100 steps in total, that's not really significant. Or if their blood pressure as a result dropped by two points, and it's statistically significant, but like a two point blood pressure drop is probably not much in the way of clinically significant. Right. And that's kind of the thing that really frustrates me. Like I see these, this is especially rich in the field of nutrition. You see these studies like, oh, eating a chocolate bar, oh, eating grapes or eating whatever. And typically what they do in these quote unquote nutrition studies is that they just log people's food intake over like a course of time and they just test everything. They just test, okay, let's test bananas. Let's test grapes. Let's test wine. Let's test chocolate. And then if you do that enough times, eventually you're going to find just like a few that's statistically significant. And then they say, okay, let's publish these. And that always frustrates me because you're pretty much misusing statistics, right? You're just saying, oh, just because something is statistically significant, that means, oh, this is like the new hot thing and that we should like totally pursue it. But, you know, it depends on how well is your study design? Like how big is your sample? How rigorous is your methods, right? It's not just, oh, this thing has a p-value of less than 0.05. That means this is this must be true. Right. All those things that you were just listing out in terms of considerations for the study impact whether you can generalize those findings out to other populations or if they're really only relevant for the group that was being studied. So poorly designed studies could find all sorts of impacts where things are associated with another. But you know, if you're only looking at 65-year-old women who engage in jazzercise and you found these things, but you know, associations between these groups, it's unlikely that you can generalize those findings to 20-year-old men who play basketball, right? Like you have to be thinking about your target population, which population in your study is, you know, how representative they are, all those things. So there's so many elements of research design, which, you know, for people at home who don't know, I actually teach a class on 
research and evaluation methods. And so I get very frustrated when I see people sort of misusing statistics and data. Yeah. So I guess to wrap up, here here are the summary points. One, just because something is statistically significant doesn't mean that it's practically significant. And two, whether something is statistically significant is not enough, right? You need to look at its research design, sample size, methods. Three, if anyone talks about percentages, like or doubling or halving any sort of numbers like that, percentages depends on a reference point. So if you say, oh, this increased by 200%, if it's 0.1, then it's now 0.3, right? Is that really like a significant increase and vice versa, right? So if people say this thing costs $10,000 more, oh, wow, $10,000 is a lot of money. But if you look at it, it could be 0.1% of the budget or something like that. So it works both ways. Numbers requires percentages, percentages requires numbers. Uh, You pretty much need to look at both. Most important in my mind is again to mention that just because two things are associated doesn't mean that one costs the other. No. And then science is an iterative process. It requires a lot of research, a lot of re-examining, and a lot of building up an evidence from the ground up instead of just having one study and be like, yep, this is the truth, and let's go that way. Thank you for listening to another episode of MJ's Hot Takes. (laughs) Um, Thanks, everybody, for listening to this bonus episode, Public Health Plus. Keep an ear out on Thursday for our regularly scheduled programming.